Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's Food for Thought, a podcast on a mission to equip you all with the latest evidence-based advice that you need to live and breathe a healthy lifestyle. I'm Rhiannon Lambert, registered nutritionist, best-selling author of Renourish, A Simple Way to Eat Well, soon to be author of The Science of Nutrition out December the 30th, 2021, and founder of Retrition, London's leading private nutrition clinic. In each episode, we are going to be joined by guests, all of whom are experts in their field, so that together we can all learn fact from fiction and empower the healthiest and happiest versions of ourselves with our trusted expert advice. It's hard to believe that there was ever a time when diet books didn't exist, when Home-cooked meals were the norm and not the exception, and when people intuitively ate what was good for them. With the plethora of information available today about food, diet, and nutrition, we should all be healthier than ever, but instead we're just more confused about what to eat or not to eat. So this week's Food for Thought sees personal trainer Graham Tomlinson and I go back to basics and why food should always be seen as a source of enjoyment. Hello, Graham. Hi, Ree. How are you doing? Oh, I am very well, thank you. I think there's a lot to discuss, and let's just go straight in with the fact that I think there's a lot of interest at the moment about people's diets in general. Rather than thinking of what people can add in, I think everyone's always fascinated, aren't they, about taking things out all the time. Yeah, I think this is a fairly recent thing, isn't it? And um, I think it's been born out of all these new diets we've seen over the last few decades. Um, And you're right, it doesn't seem logical, um, given the abundances of delicious, nutritious um, foods out there. Some of them not nutritious, of course, why we would be concentrating on what we need to eliminate. And uh, I think a lot of it comes from, from fear mongering, to be honest, and a lot of it kind of unjust. Um, And it also seems easier to remove foods from a diet than tell people of all, you know, tell people all the great things they could eat. Um, It's maybe easier to tell them to remove two or three things than say you can actually eat, you know, 130 things, for example. Um, Mm. So I agree with you. It's it's a really good question that and I don't really know the the answers to why it's happened, but it seems to have, have snowballed into this into this thing now, hasn't it? Well, it does. And I also notice it, I think, on marketing and buzzwords. Um, Let's take food and drink as an example, packets of foods and things. Often you can get um, items saying, oh, this is low in carbs or 
this contains no added sugar or, um, you know, I, I guess a lot of things about diet culture essentially is the word that would be used for these types of um, phrases and words. But we're forgetting that you can buy things in their whole form as well, which which are wonderful. It, it's almost like we're looking for this manufactured item. Yes, and I think a lot of that is, has actually been created by uh, large companies who kind of want to cash in on our needs for, for or, or our want for better health. Um, mm. But you're totally right. You could go into the supermarket and pick fruit and vegetables that have no labelling on them. And they'll do the exact same job as a, a smoothie drink, which is probably... Um, 10 times the price that has all the marketing buzzwords on it, such as vitamins, mi minerals, um, and that, that one, no added sugar, which I think is still, I don't know if I still fully understand what that actually means yet. <laughs> it's quite a vague, <laughs> vague label. But I think yeah. it's, it's, it's an interesting one because if you took a, a chocolate bar and inserted it into somebody's diet, the amount of people, if you asked people, you know, is this a good thing or a bad thing? I think the amount of people that would automatically say that's a bad thing would be very high, but they don't actually know the context of that chocolate bar. You know, is it one chocolate bar per week or is it one chocolate bar every two hours each day? Um, and I think that's the kind of thing we need to do is, is put things more in perspective and on the food labeling side of things as well. Um, you know, all the marketing buzzwords are there, but yes, you could have a product that is very nutritious, um, high in vitamins and minerals, but if that's the only nutritious thing you have that week, it's actually not supporting your diet like mm. the labeling suggests. So you kind of have to step backwards and think, okay, I'm, I'm eating this today, but what did I have yesterday? What did mm. I, what was my previous week? What did that look like? Um, and I think that's quite an important thing for us to do. Oh, it's so true. And I think the context, and you're right, we eat food over a period of time, not item by item. I was actually listening to a really, really interesting conversation about the differences between ultra-processed foods and the absorption of the energy that we get from food versus um you know, cook from scratch. And the example they use was a cheese sandwich with the, you know, the, the American plasticky type cheese. Like it tastes I really do, yeah. good when it's melted. Yeah, that <laughs> that yeah. cheese on a slice of bread versus, um, a, you know, whole grain slice of bread with your normal cheddar cheese type um, thing. Mm. And both items had exactly the same calories in them. Yet, when you looked at how the calories were broken down, you would get more calories from the ultra-processed food and absorb them all compared to the calories from the food that is just cooked from scratch, so just the bread and the cheese. So there's, an, there's a difference in how foods are processed in our bodies once they've been super-manufactured as well. And I think cooking from scratch is so underrated. And actually, I guess eating more than before in terms of lockdown with cooking from scratch, I guess it can lead to more weight loss, or I like to call it body fat loss. What are your views on that? I think I think ultimately I, I agree with you. Um, although it is, we need to stress that that's kind of inadvertent. So when we're cooking from scratch, we will tend to cook more nutritious, filling, fiber-rich, high-protein foods, mm. um, or, or that's the idea, hopefully. And we're also more in control of the ingredients that we're putting in, so we're more likely to be informed on, you know, rough calorie values of certain foods. Whereas if we're kind of ordering takeaways and having ultra processed ready meals all the time, we're probably less likely to be in control of that. And ultimately, 
I think if a, a large, or maybe it's already been done, a large um, <laughs> study was done between lots of people who cook from home and um, mm. people who don't, I think the calorie intake would probably be less with those that are cooking from home because yeah. um, a lot of those kind of fresh ingredients um, that are really good for us are tend to be lowering calories. And um, as you say there, protein and fiber are really essential for feeling fuller for longer. So there's mm. less likelihood of us wanting to eat excess calories if we feel full. So that's another kind of simple reason for basing a lot of our nutrition from from home cooked meals. It's um, it's like, you know, people always say back in my day, uh, you know, like your grandmother <laughs> yeah. says we cooked everything from scratch mm. and not everything would have been totally great back then. You know, I'm pretty sure they had some some stuff that wasn't overly great for us. But um, ultimately, when it comes down to it, I think, yeah, basing Basing our diets, if you're wanting to lose fat on um, home-cooked meals, is definitely something I would encourage. Oh, I just brought back memories of my, um, sadly I don't have any grandparents left today, but a boiled dinner, you know, as a child, <laughs> just going around and having like boiled potatoes, boiled ham and boiled peas. You know? <laughs> yeah, my, my, it was the same with mine. In fact, when we were, so it was like a three-hour drive to Glasgow to see uh, my grandparents from my mum's side. And wow. they would always cook, cook like ready meals and stuff. My mum yeah. halfway there would be like, what are you cooking us? And she'd be like, oh, I've got this thing from, uh, from you know, supermarket. And I was like, nope, we'll go and buy some stuff and we'll, we'll cook it when we get there. <laughs> and they're just so, trying yeah, was... so hard because they probably thought, oh, well, that's cool, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I know times have really changed so much. And equally, I think a lot of people like to put an emphasis on singular items of food. So we've said that obviously there's a fascination with taking things out. I find there's also fascination with certain macronutrients. Protein is often in the limelight, isn't it? Um, but what other foods can support us, I guess, feeling full and support our overall nutrition? Yes, so you know, high high protein diets are well have been well documented recently, haven't they? And uh, the marketing has gone into overdrive with them. But um, <laughs> yeah. we touched on it before, and foods high in fiber tend to have the same kind of effect when we we feel full. Um, and this is, as you know, because they probably take a little bit longer to digest. It's just a little bit harder for us to digest them. Um, so they tend to, to help us feel fuller for longer, which is, is great. And they probably do have a higher thermic effect than starches as well. So you'd be burning more calories digesting them um, compared to things like bread or uh, white pasta, for example. Mm, um, yeah. So those kind of foods and it's there's so many sources of them, you know, instead of having white bread, which I probably prefer to brown bread, <laughs> you could switch to brown bread Um switching to whole grain rice including lots of beans and things like that you know you can mix them into lots of different dishes um and they, you know a little bit of them probably goes a long way and it's not just in terms of composition fiber is so important and i think we don't eat enough of it collectively and when we're trying to reduce things that are you know really bad like bowel cancer for example that mm. you know there's so much evidence out there to suggest that high fiber diet is essential yeah. in in reducing the risk of that um which when you consider there's a lot of really tasty you know foods out there that are high in fiber it seems like mm. a good opportunity to take you know fruits and uh vegetables not all of them though <laughs> yeah well, o only some yeah <laughs> i know i know what you mean i completely know sometimes i just think and this is probably 
this is the nutritionist in me. I'll be walking around the house and I'm like, oh, I don't think I've eaten any fruit today. I, like, oh, I better eat one now, even if I'm not hungry. And that's probably not the best attitude to have, but at least I'm getting more fiber in. I'm so aware of it. And I really liked a post that you, you recently posted on Instagram. Or actually, it may not be as recent at the time of this episode being released, but it really made me want to get you on this podcast. And you went into a certain shop store and you did, a, you, you did a really graphic video, which I wish I could do something like that myself, but unfortunately I'm too regulated to go in and do that. But I loved what you did. And you basically yeah. pulled apart the shop window. You said, this claim is false, this claim is false. And it's very easy, isn't it, to fall into a trap of being enticed to buy things that we don't need saying that they'll keep you fuller and, you know, things like that. Oh, definitely. And um, I think what it boils down to at the end of the day is that you know marketing is not just um in the the nutrition industry it's everywhere and we we'll all get sucked in you know you know buying phones and laptops and mm. holidays and things it's all the marketing so <laughs> it all does its job but i think when it comes to food yes there's there's this saying that there's so much misinformation and stuff it's like well yes there is but it's it's kind of our own duty to make ourselves informed ourselves so whilst there might be some messaging on labeling or storefronts uh actually looking at the small print of uh, an item of food because they're legally bound to provide that information on the packet and understanding mm -hmm. what that information means in the context of our goals um in the context of what we're doing over the, the the rest of that day the week the month i think it's on us to kind of make ourselves a little bit more informed yeah um, and being able to kind of uh relate all that kind of complicated-ish stuff on the label <laughs> with uh, with our goals. And I think a really, uh, an interesting one that's that's come around in the last couple of years is the idea that chemicals are bad. And, mm. you know, the amount of my posts that, that I'll put up um, and someone will reply saying, that's got so many chemicals in it, it's bad for you. And again, it comes back to, do you understand what that chemical is? You know, <laughs> not all chemicals are bad because... You know, there wouldn't, we wouldn't exist without chemicals. We are chemicals. Water yeah. is made from chemicals and stuff. So again, it's, it's going a step further and understanding what those ingredients actually are and are they harmful in the doses that we consume them in? Um, and I think in 99.9% .9 of the cases, if not 100%, um, they aren't. <laughs> There's no evidence to suggest that they are. So again, it comes back to the context. But I think I've just gone off on a different tangent. There. I wasn't your <laughs> no, question. but when you were speaking, I was just thinking, thank you so much for adding that dynamic to this episode, because it is a conversation that, you know, I see all the time in a certain wellness sphere. Um, it's almost like a vortex of this wellness talk on social media. And a lot of people that haven't been trained um, to be giving nutrition advice, often say if you can't pronounce it, it's not good for you. But, you know, ascorbic acid is another word for vitamin C. And yeah. I think the sooner, the sooner we understand that, you know, the way the food is meant to work for us and these complicated words, the better. Like you said, we need to start educating ourselves. We all have a responsibility. And I think in this wellness vortex, we also see lots of, I think, highly damaging aspects of nutrition, such as cheat days and, um, I guess, cycle days yeah. with, with food. What, what are your thoughts on, on these? Yes, they've been, been around for a while now, haven't mm. they? And um, 
Uh, I, I just wonder, you know, I guess it's a common question is why would you feel the need to cheat or call it a cheat in the first place? And I think if you asked somebody that, they would probably not really have a great answer for it unless they were following a diet that they absolutely loathed, <laughs> in which case they should get a brand new uh, or, or change the, the way they're eating so that they enjoy mm. it a bit more. But um, if we were to focus on composition and so imagine if somebody we obviously know you need a, a calorie deficit to lose weight and if that was the goal if the calorie deficit target per day was say 2,000 calories so that's 14,000 calories per week that somebody has to play with to, to stay in that calorie deficit if they were to at the weekend say you know order a, a large pizza drink four or five glasses of wine and have a tub of ice cream let's say that came to four or five thousand calories or something before you know it you've gone way over your daily target in just kind of half a day and what that does is for somebody in the context of seven days that kind of afternoon of eating those things over a couple of hours probably doesn't seem that significant but actually if you strip it back you've only got nine thousand calories left for the following six days to stay in that calorie deficit. So you're going to have to eat something around 1500 calories a day to stay in that deficit, which is probably going to mean you're going to be very hungry. Um, and so if you have this kind of blowout once in a blue moon, it's going to have very little impact on your progress. Mm -hmm. But if you're doing it every week and possibly de depending on the aggressiveness of the, the, the calories that you're eating every couple of weeks, it could really slow down um, you know, the, the weight loss progress just in that kind of small window of eating. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's something to consider for people who um, feel the need to, to do that. That said, you know, all about having a flexible approach and tracking weekly instead of daily, I think is actually a great kind of um, thing to, 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 to give people because it means they can be flexible and go a little bit over some days, a little bit under and, you know, have a social life yeah, <laughs> whereby I mean, they might go, go out for a meal yeah everything you've said and I think it's so important to reiterate to everybody listening that it's also the quality of what you eat and you know sometimes if we think too much on numbers you're forgetting about the fundamental aspects your body requires like we've already mentioned fiber we've already mentioned protein and you know we also know calories in terms of a margin and error they're not a hundred percent so some people find they count religiously and nothing happens because they may be counting inaccurately. You don't actually know the overall impact if you're literally living your life number for number. So it's it's such an interesting area. It, of course, there's no disputing energy in, energy out, balance and equation yeah. because it makes perfect sense. But what is difficult, I think, for everybody is actually understanding this margin of error. Um, the fact that it yeah. doesn't quite work like that once the calories are inside your body. And instead of maybe shaming a food item, I love what you've done on your, your Instagram feed. You, you put Nutella on toast versus avocado on toast. And you said demonized with the Nutella. <laughs> and I, I think idolized or something for the idolized, avocado. Yeah, idolized, yeah. Idolized, right. yeah. And I was like, that's yeah. brilliant because the avocado on toast contains more calories but contains way more nutrients than the Nutella. Yeah. And actually, you'll probably absorb all of the Nutella calories, but you wouldn't all of the avocado on toast, even though it's got more calories. I am yeah. going off on one. 
but wouldn't you agree that it's just very complex? <laughs> oh yeah, with, without a shadow shadow of a doubt. And that's a lot of people who comment to criticize some of my posts bring up the, these points. And I don't think they fully understand that I agree with them. You know, look at the you know calories um, on food labeling can be up to 20% inaccurate in cases. But that doesn't mean that every item of food is inaccurate by 20%. And it, it might be that some items have less calories instead of more. Um, so, yeah, and also the thermic effect of food as well. We know that protein will burn, you know, around about 30% of the calories compared to carbs is about 10% and then, you know, fats, you know, just 2 or 3%. So, again, those actually absorbing calories once they're in your body, as you put it, is completely different than just looking at the basic equation. But... When all said and done and you've digested the food, it still comes down to, as you said, total energy in versus out. So um, I think it's definitely worth appreciating these points, but also it's, some people use it as a vehicle to totally disregard energy balance. And I think we need to say, yes, um, it's not a perfect system, but it's, it's still a pretty good system and it's still a pretty good barometer of kind of measuring um, weight loss or weight gain or maintenance. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. And what about mental health? Um, so I think food shaming and the psychological impact on someone that spent their whole life, I guess... I mean, I've always called it your food script, like a kind of play of your life, you know, um, like you're a character in a play and you've grown up believing that chips are the devil because you're, perhaps your mum always told you this. What are your opinions on the mental and psychological aspect of food? Um, should it be taken more seriously? Uh, yes, it's, it's clearly very complex because when we're kids, um, we're absorbing loads of different pieces of information and one of which is you know opinions about different foods I remember when I was a kid um, we would we would be forbidden from eating sweets at school um, and but on a Saturday we got to eat four different sweets so it's almost like a binge eating thing and um <laughs> I thought, yeah, when I look back on it, it's not, I don't think it was great. And again, I think my, my mom and dad had the best intentions and uh, they, they didn't want us eating that, you know, lots of those types of things. But then when I got to kind of 13, 14, going to secondary school, where you could go down to the shops and, you know, basically spend all your lunch money on sweets. That's all I did for two years. because I did because as well. I'd, I'd pear been, drops. Yeah. I loved pear yeah. drops. <laughs> Pear drops, yeah. I was all about the sour sweets, to be honest. Oh. Um, yeah, sour sweets and crisps. And, and, you know, I was doing that for two years. And then probably when I got to about 15, 16, I uh, went completely the other way and was like, yeah. I'm not having any of this stuff anymore. So that's quite a, an unhealthy... I think I, mm. I was fine at the time, but looking into adulthood, if people are developing these kind of behaviours and patterns it's it can stem from childhood but also from what people are saying about food when they're eating yeah. it and uh you know i've had lots of dms from people you know taking in 
uh, lasagna or something to work and heating it up and someone you know from across the office saying oh that's bad for you and, stuff oh, like that. and, gosh. and so it, yeah stuff like mm. that and I think the, the message the, the reply I always give is you know ask them why to cite yes. evidence that in this consumed dose of lasagna it's going to cause <laughs> me harm and then ask them if they've seen exactly what you've eaten for the last month and when they say no, just say exactly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you don't have a clue what's going on. But it's you know, it's, it's definitely uh, an issue. Um, yeah. I think hugely. And in in the clinic, um, the retrition clinic, this is something that we find. I mean, in fact, pre-COVID, it's we used to call it office culture. Um, you know, the the temptation you've got different characters in an office you've got the one that always is the feeder so there's always someone that brings in items that they don't want at home you know that always has the chocolates that always has the cookies and then you've got the one that's always on a diet or someone that's judging you like you said those types of remarks it's such a strange society that we live in um and I suppose if I wasn't aware of the impact from my work as a clinician in the field, perhaps I would be doing the same because it's like an ingrained social norm. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Yeah, you're right. If, if you know, you're obviously extremely well informed and all this kind of stuff. So if somebody made a comment like that to you, it would just go you know over your head like it was nothing. But for somebody who was... Uh, unaware um, mm. and kind of hoping that what they were eating and how they were dieting and living their life was going to be supportive of the goal that they had um, not being 100% sure these little comments that creep in might discourage them um, and I think the co- some of the comments come from places of people just wanting to be elite and wanting to, to feel better about mm. themselves in a way mm. so whilst we know that you know, it's abundantly clear that eating nutritious whole foods is absolutely fantastic for us. Yeah. But including a little bit of the stuff that's not very nutritious, um, you know, if we have it in moderation, it's not going to be that harmful for us. Uh, and I think, yeah, that just gets missed in these 
kind of office space conversations. <laughs> um, but these these go online as well. I see comment threads on my posts, and it's, oh, it's, I know. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And it's so hard online because you lose context, and whenever you type something or someone's reading yeah. something, it's very difficult. Which is why I love these podcasts because we can have these types of conversations. And equally, you you see a lot of people throwing about language like, "Oh, she must tell, he must have an eating disorder. He's so thin," or "Oh, she must have a real problem." You know, if she can't just count the calories or this. So I I think it's really toxic language that's used it's body shaming and using serious mental health issues to describe someone's appearance it's just it's quite shocking yeah. so it's, how do you awful. deal with those online comments when you see things like that how do you personally deal with those um so when when i see the, th- the threads of people having conversations that i'm not necessarily involved in i just tend to leave it um but I look and, and if the person is just out there to attack people, I just block them from my page and remove their comment. Because mm. as you say, it could, it, I could have removed that before the recipient read it. Mm. And uh, if they did read it, it could have a real um, detrimental effect on their mental health. Yeah. But, you know, I've had it done on myself. Um, you know, when I, I think I did a post about a guy who, you know, was promoting eating copious amounts of butter and saturated fat and that energy balance didn't exist you know the the usual <laughs> I know exactly and, uh, what you mean <laughs> yeah and I, I, so what happened was I did a, a reel and it, it did it called him out exactly and you know people say you shouldn't go for people like this but yes he was included in my content however it was it was backed up with why he was wrong about this um, and so, yes, he didn't like that and put it all over his. And I think his army came to my page and started just completely um, criticizing my physical appearance, despite oh the, the fact they only saw me from from the shoulders down. They were saying oh. that I was, you know, I was like misshapen and all this kind of stuff. My, I, I, I looked ill and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, well, actually, you know what? I could look a bit ill because this is January in Scotland. There's been no sunlight for four months. We've been in lockdown. So, yeah, I probably don't look my best. Graham, you've got a very strong um, resilient factor about you because I just can't. I find these types of things, news, you, like you say, sending an army after you. I find it so upsetting. And I've had yeah. similar situations a few years ago, and I just don't have the mental resilience to deal with it anymore. I, I, it's just... I find it all very triggering and I think for a lot of people so thank you first of all for doing that because I'm but it's just a shame that things have to end up in that way yeah. when you constructively criticize something it's different to making personal attacks I, I think there's also an expectation to improve fitness products and that everybody needs to have a foam roller or everyone needs to have a weight at home otherwise a workout isn't effective I know that you know personal training is a big element of of what you what you know and what you do. And what would you say to people that feel they need to have all these gadgets? Because lockdown, I do think, brought about a lot of that. There was you know you couldn't buy a dumbbell. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think kettlebell sales maybe were were going through the roof. As yeah. Well. Um, yeah, I I, I think um, it depends what what someone enjoys doing really, because at the end of the day. We sh- you should be exercising, it sounds really corny, but you should be exercising for enjoyment over burning calories or getting in shape or whatever it is. Um, there's so much more to exercising 
than just burning calories. You know, we're burning calories just by living. Yeah, you know, the, the amount of calories we burn from exercise is actually really small. It's only about 5% of our total daily energy expenditure, unless you're doing triathlons or something. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you enjoy doing home workouts and buying all these gadgets, then fine. But it's uh, I, I wouldn't say you necessarily needed to do it. Um, I think high-intensity interval training has been quite popular over the last sort of few years mm. uh personally i i couldn't think of anything worse me too <laughs> um, that's right just, now <laughs> that's just me yeah um there, there's i think it comes down to people thinking that they have to, to maybe train a certain way or buy certain things uh to look a certain way and that's not necessarily the case and you mentioned foam rollers there they would be more a kind of um body maintenance gadget wouldn't they of uh you know, making sure your muscles are supple. But it's interesting that, and this is going off on a bit of a tangent, people foam roll their IT band, so the outer thigh. You know, do you see people do that in the gym uh, or in workouts and stuff? But actually that's, not that I'm a physiotherapist, but that seems, that's pretty pointless because your IT band's so tough, um, the tissue there, that it just goes back into its tough state immediately after you foam rolled it. So you've got agony for about two minutes and then it was pointless. <laughs> So you're, yeah. you're better off foam rolling the kind of more more supple muscles. But I mean, um, in most cases, like yeah. you said, in terms of that, when it comes to reaching fitness goals, do you think diet then just as much as, like you just said, you don't need all the gadgets, but yeah. do you think it does have an, a pretty big role to play? I think it, I think it does, yeah. I think that the diet has a bigger role to play than the mental capacity you put into thinking about kind of burning extra calories yeah. here and there yeah. I think um I think definitely because you have to eat you will be burning just by existing 70% of the calories you burn each day comes from your basal metabolic rate and that's just by living and breathing um 10% will come from digesting food 5% from from exercise planned exercise if you do that and the remaining 15% is from you know, fidgeting and uh, mm. <laughs> walking and things like that. So it's quite a big percentage, that 15%. And given the fact that it's really sustainable, you know, you can go for walks, you can do more chores around the house, uh, you can play with the kids in the garden. Um, it seems like a good opportunity to take to burn extra calories if weight loss was the goal, um, rather than kind of tying yourself up to an insane kind of dvd where you're having to kind of jump around your living room um <laughs> so yeah but ultimately you know that the diet is for me the most important thing you know people yeah. always say that that saying you can't out, out train a bad diet mm. <laughs> but it's probably true do you know i have to obviously i'm very biased as a nutrition professional and i know that exercise should be seen as more of a mental health or longevity um activity but I do think diet is essential because it's such it's a thing that you do every single day without fail and you never won't do like you have to eat to survive and you'll be doing it your entire life it just makes sense to try and create a habit or a routine that works for you with it but I could talk about this for forever I'm going to move on to questions from our listeners for you Graham um I'm going to start with one from Sarah so Sarah has said, what's the healthiest tray bake for supper? Ooh, <laughs> that's, 
<laughs> the healthiest Trevik? That's a, ooh, a difficult question. Um, I'm not too sure I've got a good answer for that, to be honest. Um, to be honest, well, if it's going to be a tray bake, I reckon it's a better idea to make sure it's something that you enjoy and not yeah. necessarily try and make it healthy. Because what, what comes with that is you probably make it taste a little bit worse and you might save a few calories, but was it worth it? So my, my advice would be to have your favourite tray bake, but... Yeah. Understand in the context of your own goals. I love that answer. Thank you, Graham. Um, Alice has said, please help me drop a dress size before the end of summer. Uh, well, the good news is there's a long time until the end of summer, if you live in England, not in Scotland. <laughs> so hopefully um, she's from England. No, I'm joking. Um, well, ultimately, you have to go right back to the, the basics. And we've we've said it earlier on in the podcast that you have to create a calorie deficit so that's the first step but ultimately the key thing is adhering to it mm. um, so there's a there's lots of different ways that that you can do that um, my kind of advice initially would be to just understand how many calories you're eating right now and maybe look to reduce that by two to three hundred per day and um I could advise to go and start calorie tracking, you know, on apps and things like that. But I think just keep it really basic to start with. Yeah, exactly. And just to add another one on there, you don't really want to go in with an un, uh, unachievable calorie deficit. Actually, a small change yes. can have a huge result. I think the biggest mistake you see is, I'm not even going to say what app it is and what number it is, but there's a specific number. You know straight away what I'm referring yeah, to that do, everybody yes. thinks is this goal amount of food to eat to lose body fat. And I will reiterate, in a month or however long the summer is, it's probably more likely going to be a lot of water retention as well rather than sustainable body fat loss. It's tough. But Paul, moving on, has said, um, <laughs> this is a good question. Um, should snacks be more protein or carbs to keep me going after lunch? Um, I would say to Paul, that's that's a good question. But I would say, uh, what, do, what do these snacks look like in the context of your overall day? So if you're eating quite a decent amount of protein in each of your three meals, assuming you eat three meals a day, then... Um, you should be feeling kind of satiated enough to enjoy snacks uh, that you know that you enjoy. It doesn't you shouldn't really be looking at protein and, and carbs unless you feel kind of hungry. Um, I would always advise people to include protein whenever possible because we don't necessarily eat enough of it, and I don't mm -hmm. know how much of it Paul's eating. So um, I would say that it's never a bad thing to to concentrate on a high protein snack. Um, but that doesn't mean to say you can't enjoy some some carbs as well. Um, I would say what what's your overall protein intake? Um, I would say a minimum of one gram of protein per kilo of body weight. And if you're already achieving that, then um, you can maybe it doesn't have to be a protein snack all the time. And things that, you know, you least expect contain a bit of protein as well. I mean, you look at an yeah. oat cake, people would say it's carbohydrate. It actually contains a bit of protein paired with, you know, plant-based sauce or something as well. So Yeah, that's a great it's point. Places, I, sorry. Yeah, just to sneak sneak in this one, there was um mm. more in a in a, a branded protein bar from a very well known cereal company, <laughs> there was more protein or I think it was as much protein in a slice of forty gram bread. 
protein. as this protein bar. Yeah. And there was yes. also a protein smoothie and just skimmed milk. And it was like, okay, this is this thing costs 5p. This thing costs £1.20. I think I'll have a slice of bread. <laughs> it's, cra- it's crazy, isn't it? This is what I mean about the protein marketing. Um, right, yeah. we are going to move on, Graham, because I think we the other question that I'd highlighted, we've already answered, which is, is it better to... Um, exercise to lose weight or to change the diet but the next question will be the fact or fiction round if you could answer fact or fiction to the following are you ready yes (laughs) okay here we go (laughs) tentatively Um, yes here we go (laughs) lack of sleep makes for a bigger appetite fact sugar is better than artificial sweetener (laughs) oh middle it has to be there has to be a middle answer but i'll go fiction (laughs) smoothies fill you up for longer than juices um fact fat loss is best achieved quickly by skipping breakfast fiction no caffeine after lunch helps reduce stress fact Dried fruit is just as nutritious as fresh fruit. Fact. Zero calorie drinks affect you no differently to water. Oh, that's a loaded question. What do you mean by effect? <laughs> exactly. No, go for it. You don't just have to say fact or fiction. You can expand on it. <laughs> yes. Th- oh, to be honest, this would add an extra half hour onto the podcast if we started talking about these drinks. Um, yeah, no, I think there's this, this was actually, there was a study done on the most talked about um, aspect of nutrition and it was these diet drinks and artificial mm. sweeteners that got people riled up the most. Um, unfortunately, when you kind of cite all the various meta-analysis and systematic reviews that are measuring whether these sweeteners are harmful for us, there's just nothing really mm. to back it up. There's yeah. some evidence in rodents um, when they consume hundreds and hundreds times the dose, but in humans there simply isn't, and people just can't accept that. Um, I know. But I would say that water is the best source of hydration, and if you can select water instead. However, if you were somebody who really enjoyed the higher calorie uh, fizzy drinks, um, it's a great opportunity to reduce calories and have a similar sort of taste. But um, yeah, unless you drink 500 a day, you, sh- you shouldn't have a problem. But when I say that, I would say, you know, under two. <laughs> I'm just chuckling be because advisable. I have this conversation nearly every single day with clients. It's so, so true. And, you know, yeah. there's also the element that we now have individual differences in gut health, which are coming into question, but we don't have the data. Yeah. So it's, yeah, yes. it's exciting and interesting. Yeah. But I'm going to move on to the next I, question to keep the flow yes, go going. And um, exercising makes your hunger levels increase. Fact. Avoiding certain foods helps focus on a healthy diet. Mm, fiction. And you did it. That was our fact or fiction round. It's done. <laughs> it's done. Tick. Well done. <laughs> and you know, if we go back to the sweeteners, because I, I should have done that question yeah. last. Um, it's it's like the debate, like you said, is sugar better than artificial sweetener? It's just it depends on who you are, what what your goal is and what, you know, do you have a condition that means you can't have one or the other? There's so many elements, aren't there? It's not oh, simple. Yeah. 
Yeah, completely, completely. And uh, nothing's ever black or white. And what, what you do so well with your profession is you're kind of giving individual advice, which is you know, highly skilled, and you're able to kind of meet someone's individuality. Um, sometimes it's difficult for somebody like me who's kind of just putting information out there to, to the masses because I'll always get criticism from people. So yeah. I think I did a post like this uh, two or three weeks ago about diet drinks and I had people coming back saying, yeah, but it gives me headaches or mm. yeah, but it does this. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's that's cool, but that could yeah. happen with anything. You know, it's yeah. not doesn't mean that this is necessarily bad. It means that you should probably avoid it because it's creating something that's not very pleasant for you. Um, however, the stuff that I'm kind of saying here is that it despite all the kind of um, misinformation out there about them, there's nothing really inherently harmful yet in the, mm. in the research. You know, in future research, if something came out, I'd be the first person to turn around and say, yeah. great, well, now we've got this now data. Actually, it's different, yeah. But like yourself, we, yeah. we have to follow the data. It sounds boring, but um, <laughs> it helps us make intelligent decisions, I think. It's so interesting. The, the book I'm writing, The Science of Nutrition, I know my publishers wanted yeah. me to say something really snazzy that sweeteners are really bad for you and they'd read um actually a quite well-renowned person talking about them saying that they're bad for our gut health and I was like but we actually don't have that data yet on humans and it yeah. was a really boring conclusion to the paragraph that I was writing I was like I'm really sorry but until the data's there that says otherwise I can't say otherwise it's yeah it's not and that's, black and white. that's why you're you're so well respected because you're you're sticking to your guns oh, and you're, you're you're following the data <laughs> Thank you. But yeah, well, it's 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 crazy stuff. It's um, you know, aspartum will convert into formaldehyde, which people will say is really mm. harmful, but they don't understand that the dose just simply isn't harmful enough. You know, yeah. and uh, formaldehyde is is contained in pears, again okay. at a dose which is very safe, unless you eat you know hundreds of pears in one sitting. No. Which it's the same as arsenic in rice. You know, people yeah, say you exactly. can't have rice because it contains arsenic. There's, you know, there's yeah. so many elements. Like we said, we go back to the language and the words that we use um, with nutrition. Yeah. But I have to wrap up this episode, and I'm so sad about it because <laughs> I feel like we could discuss a whole lot more. But we always finish uh, food for thought um, with a food for thought, which makes perfect sense. And I think mine today would be that, as Graham and I have discussed, it's just not black and white, and Unfortunately, it's very difficult. I think that's the last thing you just said, Graham. It's difficult to give general advice beyond public health guidelines because of the individual uh, varieties that we have in our day-to-day -day life, our, from our biological, our physiological needs. Everything is so intrinsically unique. And I have the luxury with one-to-one -one clients to spend hours with them over a course of time. But it's just sad that this opportunity isn't available for everybody in the general public. And ultimately, I think we should just be supporting and encouraging one another with kindness rather than creating an emotive response. And food is emotive. Food, food has a place in everybody's heart in some shape or form. It may be an unhealthy place. It may be a healthy place. But ultimately... I think we just want to empower you to make choices that are going to help you. Mine today, Graham, I feel like my food for thought is really philosophical. What what would you like to leave our no, listeners? I loved it. <laughs> no, I, I loved that and, uh, and and agree with it. And I would say something really simple to, to leave your listeners Great. with. And I would say that there are no good or bad foods. They're just different. 
And uh, by understanding those differences, we are empowering ourselves to make more informed choices, kind of just echoing what you were saying. And I think, you know, achieving your um, health, fitness and nutrition goals long term is as much about your ability to include as many of your preferences as possible, along with the principles. So doing things on, on your own terms as much as you can. Amazing. Graham, <laughs> that was wonderful. Thank you so much um, for everything and all of your wisdom. And I really enjoy the content that you put out on social media. Where can our listeners go to see more? Thanks very much. Um, so you can go to Instagram, which is probably the best one. And it's the fitness chef with an underscore at the end. Um, and I'm on Facebook and TikTok and Twitter, although I don't really tweet that much. Um, and I also have a, a website, which is fitnesschef.uk. And a book. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've got a couple of books. <laughs> <laughs> Publishers will be loving that. Um, yes, yeah. don't forget the books. <laughs> couple of couple of books. Um, Eat What You Like and Lose Weight for Life is the first one. Um, and it's a really basic guide to basically trying to include as many of your your most enjoyed foods and succeeding with with losing weight if that's the goal and the second book is called still tasty um and it's i put a poll out to my instagram followers a couple of years ago and i said what's your favorite meals and i challenged myself to make them still taste as good but have lower calories so a few kind of lower calorie swaps in there so um yeah i'm quite proud of that one so oh graham uh, you've got an yes. incredible yeah an incredible amount of work and you know incredible following on social media so thank you so much for giving up your valuable time to chat with us today and i hope you have a lovely rest of your day thank you for coming on food for thought thanks very much if you are enjoying food for thought you are going to absolutely love our up and coming episodes so if you don't already make sure you're subscribed that way you will be the first to hear it every monday it would also be brilliant if you have the time to leave a review. These reviews are so crucial to make sure that we can reach more people and of course reach those higher highs in the charts. For more information about My Retrition Clinic, the books, healthy recipes and so much more, please visit retrition.com. You can follow me at Retrition on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok and YouTube. And of course, don't forget The Science of Nutrition, my latest book, will be out December the 30th, 2021. 